0: Welcome to Cabbages and Kings, a podcast for readers of science fiction and fantasy. I'm your host, Jonah Sutton Morse. This episode, I'm joined by Justina Ireland and Troy Wiggins to look back at what happened in 2016 and look ahead towards 2017 in the in the reading and speculative fiction area of things. Let's talk a little bit about what we have read in 2016, and maybe Justina, you can kick us off with a couple things you really enjoyed.
1: I'm going to mosey over to my bookshelf, because I have goldfish memory where I read a book and then I forget about it, and then somebody brings it up. I'm like, oh yeah, that was a great book.
0: I made a spreadsheet this year. I was so proud of myself. I
1: I used to do um, Goodreads, and then now Goodreads is like a cesspool of opinions, so I don't do that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So now I just basically, I have a shelf of like the really good books that I've read and I just keep everything there. So I know that these are the books that I like, I recommend to friends and stuff. But the most recent thing I read that was pretty good was Silvia Moreno Garcia's, um, Certain Dark Things. Okay. Which is the tagline is basically Mexican vampires, which is kind of simplistic of what it actually is. It's, it's just a really, it's, it's one of those books that proves that you can do anything. Like, you can mess around any kind of trope that people say are dead. So Because, like, for a long time, everyone's like, vampires are dead. No one wants to read vampires anymore. And, like, it's just a really great book. Solid, solid book. The other book I'm about halfway through that I'm really enjoying is a YA book um, by Audrey Coulter, it's called Of Fire and Stars. Okay. And it's basically the typical hired hand and the princess fall in love, but the hired hand, well, the person who comes, the hired hand kind of person is, um, it's a girl. So it's, you know, so it's it's girls falling okay. in love you know, like a, in a traditional fantasy setting, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Mostly everything else that I've read this year that I've loved has been either YA or short fiction. There's not really, there hasn't been a lot on the adult side that I've just kind of has made me really excited about life. Yeah. You- <laughs> I mean, it's like, short fiction, yes, but because we don't have a lot of short fiction on the young adult side. But for like, long, long books, it just kind of, everything's just been kind of, I don't know. I just. Underwhelmed, I guess.
2: I had that experience pretty frequently. Yeah. What about you, Troy? So I've been working my entire butt off these past <laughs> few months, and that's left, you know, particularly very little time for reading. So um, I've been working through the fire this time. Uh, Jasmine Ward edited a collection of essays. Oh. Um, yeah. Featuring Daniel Jose Older, K.S.A. Layman, Kima Jones, um, and a lot of other Margot Jefferson, like a bunch of just prolific black writers from all types of writing all genres <clears throat> so that's been the big thing that i've been reading mm-hmm. but as far as like you know science fiction fantasy i think the last book that i read well the last novellas i read was the taste of honey um the last thing that i finished in like completed reading i have a lot of books that i'm working through max gladstones
1: yeah i read those those were good yeah <laughs> see goldfish memory like yeah those Ma- The max the yeah four uh three parts dead and yeah. four um, roads cross four roads cross is the most recent
2: yeah, one yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah so i'm doing i'm reading full fathom five now okay i'm about okay. halfway through it that was good that the, yeah. yeah i heard that the next one is even better so i'm really trying to finish it out before the year ends i keep hearing good things about this this series and
0: i just haven't gotten to it yet
1: it's a really good series but the the, the next one you're talking about is actually a prequel to the second one. So the fourth one is a prequel to the second uh, one. Uh, and that bothers me when that happens with books. Yeah, like, I don't yeah, like yeah. to read things like, oh, now I'm traveling backwards in time.
0: So when I start this, should I read them in chronological order or reading order or, sh- or, or, or like publication date order? Or should I ask somebody I which order? F-
1: I would read the first one. Okay. Which is the three parts dead because it sets up the world pretty nicely. Okay. And then I would skip to the fourth one, which is First Last Snow. Okay. And read that one and then go back and read the second one and read it from there. Because I think that makes more sense.
2: Yeah. So from what I understand, First Last Snow uh, really kind of goes into the story of one of the characters from Four Worlds Cross that when we get to him in that book, he's like, he's past his prime. And so Mm -hmm. he's kind of, you know... Living like the, the the ashes of his dreams, so to speak. So, is that what makes that book really good? If I'm not trying not to spoil, Um I've just heard some things about that last about. Um, so I haven't, last read,
1: book. I haven't read the last book because I'm a book uh-huh. hoarder. Like uh-huh. when I like a series, I like save a book because I just I go back and I read like the books that I like when things are awful. So I don't like, remember, exa- yeah, yeah we've yeah, talked, yeah, we talked about this. <laughs> so, for example, like I have. The fifth season in the Obelisk Gate on a shelf that I'm keeping mm. when things are really really bad. and I'm gonna go read those. Um, but so I read. <laughs> <laughs> it's not bad yet. It's not bad yet. It's <laughs> uh, <laughs> the main character in Two Serpents Rise. It's his father is yeah. It's yeah. the fa- is the character in Last First Snow. So yeah. there's a bunch of references to this event that happens in Two Serpents yeah. Rise, and then you get the story of that event. In Last First Snow, but so like when you're coming, well, yeah, but when you're coming out of Full Fathom Five, which is the third book, and then you go into Last First Snow, because if you're like a binge reader like I am, all of a sudden mm-hmm. you're like, wait a minute, like right, what, right. what, when the hell am I? Because all of a sudden <laughs> these characters were like doing something else, and now they're like fifty years before. So yeah, right, it's- right, 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 yeah.
0: right. So my secret confession about the Obelisk Gate is that I thought it was good, but I'm really looking forward to when the series is done. Like, I, I read it, and I liked it, and I'm going to have an episode on it, and I was also like, yeah, we're kind of getting... It very much felt like a
2: middle book. Yeah. I, I heard um, some people say that it suffered from, like, sophomore album syndrome, too. Um, <laughs> I, I ain't feel that. I actually, like... It, of course, yeah, it was a middle book, right? But I feel like the the purpose of middle books is to, like, set up that last book in a way that really makes you excited for the last book it definitely made me excited for that, the last book i think it did that really well i wasn't expecting it to like completely blow my flesh off of my skeleton as far as you know the <laughs> is so i guess my expectations were a little lower for it though I, I have seen that criticism before and i do think it's i think it's valid you know what i'm saying um,
0: but it does make me really excited for for uh but, but now i'm getting ahead of myself and looking at 2017 because I read, I discovered this year that I really like reading nonfiction, like criticism and mm-hmm. reviews and stuff. So I I kicked off the year with Andre Carrington's Speculative Blackness, mm-hmm. which was really good, and which That's I need I need to go back to again. Um, it's definitely like it's definitely an academic book, and it's clear that he took his mm-hmm. dissertation and he he turned it into a book. So there were there were times where I was working to get through the concept, but one of the really nice things about that is every chapter is like here is the critical approach I am taking, and then here is a model of me using that critical approach on the text. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which every sing- for every time I did that, I was like, I could apply something similar to some other book. You know, like mm-hmm. it it's very much laying out the approach, laying out the critical framework, and then saying, when you have this approach and critical framework, what do you do with Cisco the novelization of DS9 and Cisco being a uh short story writer, which I had not gotten to that episode yet, and I think that's Uh-oh. just this amazing conceit. And there's a really good chapter on Ruru. Uh, and then I read How to Suppress Women's Writing, and I have to say, I, I started out, because I've read, like, now three or four different riffs on How to Suppress Women's Writing that walk through each of the chapters, and each of the, like, she wrote it, but, or she didn't write it, but... um and I'll link to a couple of those because I think they're not bad, but I also think that reading How to Suppress is, is really worth it. Like she's clearly thought through what happens to women's writing, particularly in the academic context. And one of the things that I really liked about How to Suppress was that she was very tightly focused. Like it wasn't, what happens during marketing processes. It was very much like, what happens when academics are building their canon and they're building their curriculum and they're mm-hmm. thinking about how they talk about books and what do you put into lists of poetry and whatever. Um, and she had a really good chapter at the end where she was like, and by the way, related but different things happen to black women. And I did some of the things that I laid out in this book to black authors and black women authors. And she talks about, I can't remember who it was, but one, like, she talks about a book that she had read that she saw as really kind of thin and not very interesting and not taking on interesting topics. And then she dove deeply into reading around that and reading other books written by black women. And she came back to it and she said, oh, my goodness, there's actually a lot here. This is really worth talking about. In many of the same ways that academia suppressed women's writing she she had some blinders on that were making her suppress and not take seriously african-american women and she was like i screwed up here are a whole bunch of african-american women talking about the ways that this happens and she's got a bunch of really great and powerful quotes there's a whole nother book out there like I i liked that how to suppress is sort of aware of its limitations so that was really good and i'm currently working on The Modern Masters of Science Fiction Octavia Butler book, which is not very academic. It is really readable, um, and really interesting, um, just as an overview of who Butler was because she kept huge amounts of journals and he had access to them all.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so an overview of, of who she was and kind of what her, what her mindset was as she was, as she was writing and as she was developing as a writer. She apparently really liked to revise things just on the spectrum of things. (laughs)
2: <laughs> she, she would revise
0: over and over, and he's like, "There are four different versions of this pattern master novel in her uh, series." So I, I've discovered that I like reading nonfiction because I
2: feel like it then informs a whole bunch of my writing. Yeah, yeah, same. Like I'm um, not to not to start talking about 2017 so quickly, but I am looking forward in a major way to 2017 and really taking control of my reading. Yeah. And, um, definitely as I close out 2016, the majority of the things that I have been reading are criticism and analysis and stuff like that. So, like, looking to 2017 and making, uh, making my choices for books that I missed in 2016 and 2015 and also new releases for 2017 that I want to, um, that I want to start reading or want to, you know, take advantage of. A lot more of my reading list this year is nonfiction and theory and criticism than it was for last year's list like a lot more a significant amount
0: yeah yeah i am really trying to figure out what my 2017 reading is going to be like because this year i did i read the clark award books mm.
2: <sighs> i don't think i'm gonna be tweeting about that yeah <laughs> yeah there were yeah.
0: two really good ones like Nnedi Okorafor's book of phoenix was absolutely superb eh. and yeah. europe at midnight by dave hutchinson was really good except for the part where he treats his women horribly. Um, Like, it's coming out of the noir tradition, and there Mm. were two
1: different cases of, like,
0: random woman connected to the protagonist gets killed so that the protagonist will be motivated to move. And, like, that just... There were some real problems there, but other than that, Europe at Midnight was... It was really brilliant and interesting. And then the other four books in the Clark Award were kind of okay to pretty terrible. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, you know what? I had hoped that a juried award was going to give me a better, better subset, but, uh, I'm, I'm kind of done reading award lists.
1: And I, I always find that the award lists are the, the stuff that I would skip. Like, every once in a while, something will end up on there that I'm like, oh, I read that book and I really liked it. Like, an- uh, Ancillary Justice was, was, yeah. I think it, that was like the one, the last thing I read. But most of the time, it's the stuff that takes itself too seriously. So every, so, <laughs> so whenever I see an award list, it's usually the books that I'm like, "Oh, if it's dead on my shelf, I'm probably not going to like it now because just might because my, my taste tend to be very commercial. like I'm less, <clears throat> I'm like less interested in like, let me show you all these smart things I can do with a sentence. And oh, let me let, let me let me show you how I can break down story and try to you know subvert that that tor- that typical fictive curve. I mean, like, that's like that's clever and all, but I'm like when I read a story, I want to be entertained. And I mm. find like especially when it
0: comes to like the Clark Award, that's not necessarily. <laughs> See, it's interesting because I think that the Clark leaned pretty commercial this year.
1: Yeah, it did, and, and that's why I'm kind of like, oh, now I'm I don't know if I want to read those books.
0: <laughs> like Children of Time was. Like it was a it was a pretty good, like, uplift story that also had a not quite as good generation starship story and I feel like they didn't marry themselves together quite as well. But like it was it was not it was not trying to be clever. Other books in the in the Clark were trying to be clever, and I'm finding that I sort of enjoy the books that are trying to be clever right now. I haven't that that's where I'm I'm leaning and inclined. Um so now I'm like I'm looking into some of the really obscure awards that normally don't get a lot of traction, but do sort of try to re- reward the clever books, and I might yeah. I might look at a couple of those. But
1: yeah, have you been reading literary criticism? That's probably me right
0: yeah, up. exactly, right? exactly. Right? Now that I've been reading literary yeah, criticism, I I'm I ready to spot that stuff. Yeah, um, any short fiction that really jumps out from twenty 20- six
1: I shared a bunch of short fiction a couple weeks ago. I think short fiction did do really good i think i think tours i'm not a big fan of tours novellas because i think they adhere too much to what we consider like golden age type of classic science fiction and they tend to be a little dry um but i think their short fiction this year has been really good um and that's that's kind of i mean i and i don't i mean that's probably a a difference in editorial staff editors but like NK Jemison's story um about birthing the city. That was great. Um um P how, how do you say, I don't know how to say his Troy, you say his middle name? P is it Jelly?
2: Yeah, Carp? Jelly. Jelly. Jelly.
1: Yeah. Jelly Carp's, um A Dead Jen in Cairo was was awesome. The vampire story that, that um Sarah McCary had was um about like, I think I think it's a certain shade, shade of blue was clever and funny. Like and I think that there, I think Taurus Short fiction was really has been really great. Um, I think Fireside's short fiction is probably some of my favorite right now um, because they tend yeah. to, they tend to be more very commercial in their taste. They're not I and mean, they tend to, to really lift up like marginalized voices a lot more. I think than than some of the other platforms out there.
0: Mm-hmm. You've got I'm I'm looking through the short fiction Sunday tag you made. You listed uh, Carmen Maria Machado's The Husband Stitch everything she writes is
1: amazing dude like just google her name and just read all her short fiction it's all so good and it's like so like bitingly feminist but like kind of also very approachable like sometimes feminist texts tend to be very like a little off-putting because people are like oh it's a little little part of the left but her stuff is very like very approachable and very feminist and like and very it's just a great story right it's like you're not looking for like the hidden message along when you're reading um Mm -hmm. you're just enjoying the story and of course Alyssa wong stuff i like Alyssa wong stuff um tends to be very kind of melancholic but like i like her short fiction too yeah
2: yeah i've been really digging um uncanny stuff this year yeah yeah selected stories not not everything that uncanny uh publishes really hits me but mm-hmm. when they when they get for me as a reader when they get it right they get it right for some stories I really liked Jim Brissett's most recent story there I think yeah. it's fantastic when he's come out his child uh I, I've read that one at least four times since it was published <laughs> uh just because I, I liked it so much it, it does it feels really classical but it also feels really forward-thinking which I dig a lot And um, I keep a lot of the short fiction that I read in pocket because one of my shortfalls as a reader is that I need everything to be digital. (laughs) And that's really screwing with me. So I have to go and look and see. Well, What did you actually finish reading this year in regard to short fiction? Definitely Fenderson's story. I had the privilege to actually read that story before it came out just as like a beta. And it was so fantastic. And I'm really glad that Tor saw the um the power of this story because it's really fantastic um yeah. that that which stands tends toward free fall, and i'm not gonna i call her b i'm not gonna say her name because i know i'm gonna just completely screw it up but that was such a great story oh my god it was like reading a ghost in the shell type of like like just oh yeah cyberpunk oh it was great yeah and let me see there's some others this is such a big list i, I discovered choose everything i discovered uh Rose Lundberg's
0: And I've only read a couple of them, uh, among them Grandmother Nayleit's Cloth of Winds, which I think I read as part of prepping for Hugo nominations from last year, so it's probably not a 2016. But I read it in 2016 and really (laughs) enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. And I'm leaning now towards anthologies and collections. Like, I'm working through Ken Liu's Paper Menagerie and other stories. Mm -hmm. I have not gotten to Paper Menagerie yet, but I've heard really, really good things. I've got the long-hidden sequel... On my Dude. shelf, and I've, I've started that one, um, and I read an anthology, Islamicates, uh, that I actually reviewed for Strange Horizons, so we'll see if they, if they want to run my review. But it was, the individual stories were good, and the collection and theme was really good. I felt like there were a lot more families, and there was a lot of religion and science without them being at odds and fighting with each other. Um, and so I'd finished the individual stories and I was like, yeah, I can kind of tell that this really needed an editing pass because, because it was, you know, like somebody ran a, a contest and then published the, the best of what was from the contest. And, and so I think the editing wasn't quite as good as it could have been. But the overall, like when I finished it and looked back at the collection of stories, um, and that's also a change for me because I got into short fiction with long hidden and I could never read more than one long hidden story at a time. Mm-hmm. So I didn't get a good sense of like, here is the collection, let me see the collection as a whole. But now with like Ken's stories and with, well, with with Islamicates and some of the others, um, I'm finding that I kind of like a collection. Um, and that, that makes it easier rather than sort of drinking from the fire hose and trying to read everybody and figure out what I like and don't like, because that I just get lost in. Other things we want to say about what we've read in 2016. Otherwise, I want to talk about some of the stuff that we've done because you guys especially have some exciting, (laughs) exciting (laughs) news of various sorts.
2: We're so tired. (laughs) Yeah, you are. So yeah, we're bushed. Um, Yeah, yeah. I got to be honest. um, This has been a really relatively light reading year for me, just because like uh, I have day jobs aplenty right now. Uh huh. The reading that I get done. These days is I'm not so much keeping track of like the fiction releases in the magazines because I have kinda of related to what we're gonna share in a little bit, I have other reading responsibilities that I <laughs> give my time to. So like when I'm reading it's usually reading things that aren't out at the moment, you know what I mean? Well let's get into that. You guys uh you're launching a magazine.
1: Yeah. Exciting.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <I'm> so
1: tired. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so like in January our first issue of Fire will come out. Um and the theme of the issue is rebirth and Troy can tell you like we got some like amazing stories. Like a, I'm super proud of it.
2: The drop, Yeah, it's 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 fantastic. Shout out to all of the 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 people that submitted stories to us and are submitting stories to us. Shout out to everybody who's being brave enough to actually keep writing, you know, following
1: yeah. From mm-hmm. that
2: fireside uh, report, um, which this was kind of a, a genesis where, uh like, after the fireside report, we sat down and we were like, all right, what should we do? And we thought we tossed a bunch of different ideas around. And mm-hmm. um uh shout out to Justina, too, for really kind of helping us actualize this idea that we had. I'm just I'm real hype. I'm real hype for people. To <laughs> the first issue, I'm real hype for us to to start getting. To, to kind of engender other writers, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, like, right past their fears. Because I know when I was starting out in short fiction, <laughs> I racked up a lot of rejections that I could tell, like, either the editors didn't get what I had written, or the editors didn't care about what I had written, or, you know, the kind of story that I wrote just wasn't, wasn't for them. All of those things are, like, valid, problematic, but valid. You know what I mean? But, like, I just really, I'm, I'm really excited for this space that we've created for for writers and particularly Black writers to start feeling themselves. You know,
0: I, I'm a subscriber. I'm looking forward to uh, the first issue and many more to come. So let's let's step back for a minute. The Fireside Report came out. I was traveling, so it was like late summer, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and the gist of the Fireside Report is that uh, speculative short fiction venues are not publishing Black authors,
1: yes. and to be yeah. And to be honest, like, that just validated the things that we talk about, like, behind closed doors. Like, right. one of the things that happens, and it's kind of like, this is kind of the people like when I talk to people, try to explain what it's like to be a minority, like, and they just don't get it. It's like, whenever I go to a conference, I immediately seek out like the other black authors there. Mm-hmm. Like, we like gather. I don't I don't care if it's a young adult conference. I don't care if it's like a, a sci fi venue, like wherever we are, like we find each other. and We're like, hey, and we introduce ourselves. And it's kind of just like this like kind of like I got your back, you got my back. Cool. We see each other. So, like, these conversations have been going on for a while. Like, I, I, it happens, um, this, these conversations happen on the young adult side as well. You know, people mm-hmm. will talk about, they go on submission, they get a lot of rejections, usually rejection something along the lines of I couldn't connect with your main character. Mm-hmm. And then, like, three weeks later, they see a PW announcement or a publisher's marketplace announcement or a publisher's weekly announcement where a book that's just like their soul, only with a white main character. Mhm. And then people are like, "Am I not writing well? Like is my world building sucky? Like what is going on?" And you know, a lot of times it's it's that voice like you can, and like, I know editors say like, I can't tell who's submitting a story, but if you read a story by a black person and you can't tell it's by a black person, it's because you don't know black people.
2: Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, literally,
1: it's literally there, there, there are, there is syntax that is different. There is a, there is a, a musicality to the language that is different. Like I can tell when I read a story nine times out of 10, the race of the author, because the writing is just different. Like we, we bring our culture to our language and you will see that in the way the characters act toward each other. Right. Like, like, I mean, 10 years ago, white people didn't know what side I was, right? <laughs> like now they're using it all over the place because they heard Beyonce say it. But like before, like, it was just not something you read in, in fiction. And So like the, the idea that like black authors aren't getting, you know, pub- their short fiction published and then white editors are like, well, how am I supposed to know that? It's like, you aren't a very good editor. If right. you can't read a a piece and tell, hey, you know, this is kind of this is this is a this is a black main character, this is a black voice, this is a white main character, this is a mainstream white voice, it's the difference between being able to tell if something's commercial or literary. Like you can tell within the language because yeah. that's how language functions. Language is, is part of your identity. So yeah, so like when we saw the Fireside Fiction report, we're like, told you, like it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> a, I don't think anybody was surprised. Everyone was <laughs> just like, well, we knew it was it was bad. Now we know how bad it is. Especially when you realize that a lot of the stuff you see in that it, of black authors being published are reprints because Fireside took out the reprints as part, as part of their numbers. Right. So you didn't get the same stuff that gets recycled and recycled. So, mm.
0: Yeah, because I remember at least one or two editors who were like, wait, I, our numbers seem low. And then it turned out that was because of reprints. Um, right, right. Which I, right. yeah. And I will I will link to the Fireside Report, and I did both of you write reactions and responses to it. I'm trying to remember.
1: Yes, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, yeah and and I remember Fenderson had a really good one too. So I will yeah. I will link to some of the the things around the Fireside Report. Um, yeah. yeah. So out of the Fireside Report was born Fire Magazine. That's yeah. that's really cool and exciting, and uh, yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing what you guys are doing. And I'm also really enjoying. The way that you're building a community on Twitter. So if you are an aspiring author, uh, it is worth checking out Fireside's Twitter account and the, the chats that you guys are having, because I think, like, there's, there's a lot of knowledge being shared right now.
2: Yeah. If yeah. you want to, if you do want to follow it, uh, it's at Fire @fiyah, F-I-Y-A-H, lit mag, all one word. And, uh, yeah, there's some really awesome stuff going on. Uh, I think one of the things that we sought out, we set out to do was be an incubator. Uh, mm-hmm. particularly because for, yeah. for black writers, we, we do tend to find each other in these spaces. But when it comes to, uh, actually producing the work, sometimes we're not around. We find each other when our work is completed, when it's ready to be shot, mm-hmm. but talking about how to make our work better, specifically in short fiction where I, you know, where my bread is buttered. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, 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 those conversations don't always happen. And again, I just, I'm shouting out a lot of people because this, this isn't like, this didn't just happen. Like Justina said, we've been talking about this and making moves and thinking about this. We think about this all the time. And we've been making these moves for, for what seems like forever. Fenderson started a writing group. I'm not going to say the name of it, it's secret, but <laughs> it's only black writers and it's just shop talk. So we have stories. We talk about the mechanics of our stories, talk about the language. And we also share our horror stories and we share our victories and we share, you know, different different experiences that contribute to our beings as black writers in these spaces that are the majority of the time hostile to us and to our, the way that the art that we create mm-hmm. and kind of the step back to fireside. Like one of the things that we talked about in uh, our groups is like how important it is for these editors in these magazines to be black people. Um, Which is why I think it's really awesome that Justina and I are like, we are, the, 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 the wall. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. and so we see these stories and we say, oh, well, you know, I get this. I get what this author's time, trying to do. Where some other magazine, some other editor might get that and say, oh, that's just not good. That's not a good story. That's not good craft. And it's really interesting because I was an editor at two and shout out to Escape Artists because they, I don't know how these other markets are responding to the fireside report, but Escape Artists has gone head first. They're like, all right, we're going to figure this thing out. And they're talking to, they're talking to the authors that they've published. They're talking to first readers. They're talking to different, different members of this industry and trying to figure out how to really solve this problem. But I've, uh, been readers for escape artists, different podcasts for a long time. And so they do the submissions have been blind for a long time. And somehow just randomly, a lot of the stories that I've you know, advocated for it been by black authors randomly. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like I, I, I see the story and I'm like, hey, this story's really good and it does something really it has a really awesome message and it's very well wrought and hmm, I think this story should be published. And then I come seriously when the story's published, the author hits me up on Twitter and it's like, Yo, I saw your name when you sent me, you know, my correspondence for the story and it's a black person. I'm like, What? Really? <laughs> really y'all? Uh? But you know Oh yeah,
0: go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just—it's—it's it's been interesting as I as I read away from white men and then come back to reading white men. The ways that I kind of notice differences in in the style. So the point you're making that like you should most editors and most editors who are reading widely should probably be able to notice and figure out like and that there are themes and resonances. Um,
1: right. I mean, like men and women don't write the same way. Right? Like you can read a, a a something by a woman and something by a man and you can usually tell. And like sometimes you get, you know, those lines are blurred, you know, if if the writer is really working and thinking about gender and gendered language. But like you're talking about the the noir esque story where the woman dies so mm-hmm. for the man's plot. Like every single time I read that, I'm like, Oh, this is such a dude book. Like, that's Mm -hmm. literally, like, the dude's story. The dude's story is a woman suffered, so they need to go fix it. Like, that is, like, you know, that is what you read. And so, like, the fact that somebody would say, like, well, you know, our submissions, we just can't tell who's who. It's like, that is such bullshit. Like, Mm -hmm. you know what you're reading. Like, otherwise, you're not reading closely and you're not well-read. And, Mm -hmm. like, that's and that's fine. If if you're like, I only wanna publish white dudes that write space operas, just say I only wanna publish white dudes who write space operas. Don't pretend like you're open to everybody's submissions. Just own it and move on because we'll really? build other markets.
2: Really? Mm-hmm. I wish people would do that. I wish I wish that these like say, yo, we don't want to publish y'all. Because then we know instead of like implicitly, right. you know, doing it by right. like Saying, like oh well I didn't connect with your characters, which is bullshit because yeah. I can I curse I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'll I'll put the warning on, it'll be fine. Okay, cool. <laughs> which you know, like I've gotten rejections like that. I'm like, you alright, man. Like if you say so, I don't believe that you didn't connect with my character so much as I don't think that like like Justine said, I don't think that you have enough experience with like us as humans. You know, or you don't consider the humanity of characters like the ones that I created enough to be able to connect with them. And like that's show fault. That's a failing on your part mm-hmm. right. because like my character's fine. You know? <laughs> so right. A uh, better, yeah. a
1: better rejection is your character seemed overwrought or your character Seem to act against their own best interests in the plot. Your characterization was weak. Those are, those are valid things. It's like, oh yeah, you know, maybe my character was behaving just because I needed them to do this in the plot at this point, right? You know, right. I was at 2000 words and it was time for them to do something different. Like those are valid rejections. I couldn't connect with your character. That speaks to the editor's feeling. And right. then my, my, my point is always, why couldn't you connect to the character? Is it because you can't believe there's magic in the hood? Because right. that's you, that's not, you know, that's because you're not well read enough, and you're not, and that means you're not a good market for me. Mm-hmm. But that's also why they're not getting submissions. Because if I submit to a, a, a magazine, and the response is, that I couldn't connect with this character because I can't imagine magic in the hood, I'm never sending you another thing again. Mm-hmm. Like you're, And you're, all your submissions will be then be by this people who look like <laughs> you and think like you. And that's fine, as long as you own it. Don't pretend you're like trying to set out the buffet and everybody's friends and you don't see color when it's obvious that you do. All right.
0: So you guys have FIA coming out. Uh, anything else exciting on the 2017? Actually, I'm going to break in because I've got a new reviewer and it's going to be Brandon O'Brien who I think mm. is also on the FIA staff. Yeah, he's our poetry yep. editor. He is. He's going to be reviewing every other month for Cabbages and Kings, and I think we're nice. starting with uh, a Taste of Honey. So nice, nice. Good yeah, good. very I'm, good. I'm excited about that. Between that and Charles doing short fiction, someone else will be contributing seven minutes <laughs> every couple episodes for me, which I will need. <laughs> good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, but but other stuff either that you're looking forward to reading or that you're looking forward to doing next year.
1: I don't know, man. I'm just trying to get through December.
2: <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. I, I think we're all. I think everybody who, who's kind of not, you know, um, a Trump supporter is just like, yo, yeah. I'm just a day by day, man. Day yep. by day. Right. Uh, right. <laughs>
1: I'm,
2: yeah, I'm, there, I'm
1: just hoping there is a 2017. Like that's okay. really where I'm at. <laughs>
2: I saw I saw a lot of tweets. I was kind of floored by how many tweets I saw people. There was a news story that dropped like the day after the election that was like, yeah. the, United, the, the world may be destroyed by some random asteroid. People were just like standing on top of a mountain with their arms spread out like, I welcome the asteroid. Uh-huh. <laughs> 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 I, I, I actually want to live, like chill.
1: Yeah, right? Uh, right.
2: So for 2017, I don't have anything that I know is happening. You know, maybe I'll get an email that changes that. But I'm really um kinda hype about my reading list because what I've done, like I said earlier, one of my kind of crutches is that uh I like to have things digital just because I work a lot. Mm-hmm. Um my work involves travel. So mm-hmm. I don't it involves travel and then waiting. So I have to hurry up and wait a <laughs> lot. Um and when I'm waiting, usually I have my phone out and if I'm not checking my email, I'm trying to read a book or a short story. But what usually happens is I open up my phone to read the short story and oops, I hit Twitter by mistake and now I'm uh, too <laughs> I'm, Yep. Yep. So I I'm trying to kinda block that by actually one, using my library and not to get too political here for a minute, but my uh my city we had a we had a mayor race that was high very uh Very mm, contentious, I'll say. And one of the things that our new mayor promised to do was cut the funding in our public library system, and I'm really horrified by that because the libraries are used by everyone in the city, right? And I worry that privatization is next, and I'm really disturbed by that. And one of the things that the administration is going to use to justify cutting the funds for these libraries is the the low uh, number of people coming in the door, right? Low number of users, so part of my choice for having a reading list that where I challenge myself to actually get physical books is using the library more because mm-hmm. I typically don't use the library to check out ebooks that I don't wanna buy so um I'm really gonna try to use my library more and find the books that I want in my library and also get to know my librarians. I live really close to a really awesome library, and i don't I know the librarian's there for work because my work makes me use the library space a lot, mm-hmm. but I don't know them as well when I talk about, like, hey, can you recommend a book for me? Like, as librarians, you know what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. that's one big thing I'm excited about, using the library. And The other one is just that I'm trying to read a book a week. I don't know how this is gonna go. <laughs> I'm praying <laughs> all of the, 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 the divine beings to give me strength in this because I don't, I, I'm so easily distracted. So, trying that out. But 52 book lists, Uh, I'm actually going to share it on maybe Twitter or Tumblr in a little bit when I finally get it together. Okay. So it'll be out there and people can suggest things to me. I'm I'm open to suggestions all the way up until the 31st of December for my reading list. Wow. Yeah, I am not planning that far ahead because,
0: uh, because whenever I try to, I end up discovering that I'm interested in something that I didn't think I was interested in. So I, I'm, I'm planning to read, finally read Orientalism and, uh. I'm looking forward to the third Ken Liu and to Jemisons, and beyond that, I'm, I don't know, I'm going to try to, like, pay attention to what's out there, and apparently I'm I'm reading more literary stuff than I had been. Um, I'm finally going to read Baldwin. That's my other goal, because oh, yeah, yeah I, ke- I keep meaning to and keep not, not making the time and the space for it, so mm-hmm. that's on my Christmas list of... <laughs> Prepare to be knocked all the way on your ass. I, yep. <laughs> yeah. Justina, anything for 2017?
1: No, nah, man. Like, I'm
0: just... <laughs> <laughs> you, you've got deadlines, and you're hoping that we're still all yeah. here on, on January yeah, 21st.
1: <laughs> I have nothing but deadlines for 2017, so I don't really foresee a lot of reading. I have a bunch of graphic novels that I've just kind of been, like, tucking back to read, and I think that's probably what I'll focus on, because it takes me about an hour to read a graphic novel, mm-hmm. so, I can, so I can get that in, and that'll probably be the only thing I get to read. Mm-hmm. And probably for the about the m- first half of 2017 at least and then maybe the second half I I I might have a little more free time. But yeah, I I have nothing but deadlines. I have I have books due to everybody so.
0: Yeah. Yeah, now is yours coming out next year?
1: Yeah, I have two books coming out in
0: 2018.
1: Okay. So, yeah, so I have a uh, a cyborg like hamiltonesque kind of thing for um tour and then I have a young adult uh dread nation which is uh, its restoration era zombies. So,
2: I'm real hyped for that. Um, I'm looking forward to that wait. one. I don't it's, think I, I don't think I knew about the Cyborg late, one, so. so I'm I'm yeah. looking now. Yeah, now I have two is, to look forward to.
1: Yeah, the Cyborg one's on the adult side, and then the um, Dread Nations is YA, it's young adult. So yeah. yeah, so 2018, I'm just going to basically just be crying. <laughs> 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 It'll just be the year of tears. <laughs> so I'm just trying to like just get myself get my head straight in 2017. So
0: yeah. All right. Any anything else we should say? Any books that you would recommend to someone who's trying to start 2017 off right? Mm, I
2: actually would encourage people to read some Paul Beatty or some Ishmael Reed. Um, Those two, those are two uh, authors who are, they write satire. And I think that right now is a perfect time to read some really good satire. Plus, Paul Beatty just won. Yeah, he won the Man Booker. So like, oh,
1: that's that's, cool.
2: that's that's kind of a good one. Yeah, yeah that's, it's that's kind of pretty support. pretty big deal. So um, I was I didn't want to say he won like some you know not awesome right. award that he did win. but um, he published a sellout, which is apparently really awesome. I haven't read it, but everybody seems to be reading it now since he won the award. Obviously, mm-hmm. so um, that might be a good read for people, or just grab an Ishmael Reed book because that guy. He doesn't play around. Um, just really good satire, and I think, I think that, that might be something to provide a little levity for us. All right. Well, I think on that note, thank you
0: both very much. I really appreciate it, and really, really good luck with Faya. I am looking forward to seeing what comes out of it and I'm really excited. Um, so, thank you. Thanks. Yeah, thank thanks for you. having us. Thanks for listening to Cabbages and Kings. Please let me know what you think of the show. On the website, cabbagesandkings.audio, there's a feedback form and also a page if you'd like to be on the show. Or just go ahead and email contact at cabbagesandkings.audio. I'm on Twitter at Morse. The show is on Twitter at kingcabbagecast. Let me know what you enjoyed, what books you're reaching for now, what I can do to make the show better. The website also has an occasional blog, my running tweets on books I'm reading, and importantly, a link to the RSS feed for this show, which you can also find on iTunes and wherever fine podcasts are aggregated. Until next time, enjoy your reading.